Um, the Lord has led me to preach a mini-series, and by many I mean this morning and tonight, on two very important questions. The first question that we'll explore this morning, and both of these questions are posed by Jesus. This morning we pose the question of, do you love me? Do you love me? And then tonight, Lord willing, we look in Genesis, and he says, Adam, where are you? Do you love me? And where are you? Simple questions, really important questions. You say, Jesus asked that second question? He did. He's the one that went walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It was him, Jesus. But for now, we're in John chapter 21, verse number 15. The resurrected Christ has appeared to his disciples. He has yet again brought them to a miraculous draught of fishes. They come to land and find him there, having already started the fire for cooking said fishes. He already got some on the fire. Um, There's two things I take from that. Number one, Jesus ate in his glorified body. And number two, Jesus ate meat. Fish is technically meat. We're going with it. In our glorified body, we get to eat some meat. Hallelujah. All right. Verse number, I'm an idiot. Verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He asked him three times if he loves him. And it's reasonable to assume that probably this is three times in keeping with the three times that Peter denied him. I don't know if that's the case, but it's a reasonable assumption, I think. He had to, he had to get him squared away. This is an interesting conversation, an interesting exchange that, uh, that Peter and Jesus have. Would, would you permit me? You see, there's two different words for love used here. You, you have agape love. That, that means a deep, familial love. I'm sorry, that's not it. That's phileo. Phileo is a deep, familial love. Agape love is a self-sacrificing love that expects nothing in return, a volitional love. It's the love you see in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. In fact, the vast majority of the time that John uses the word love, he uses agape love in all of his writings, with the exception of a few things. So you've got these two types of love, and there's, there's an interesting exchange here. Would, would you f- permit me to paraphrase a bit without thinking that I've abandoned the King James? Simon, son of Jonas, do you possess a deep, volitional, self-sacrificing love for me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you like family. That's not what he asked. 
Second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you possess a deep, volitional, self-sacrificing love for me? Yes, Lord. You know, I love you like family. So Jesus takes a step back the third time. He says, okay, Simon, do you really love me like family? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you like family. So Jesus was trying to get Peter to get to the place of not phileo love, but agape love. Because if we're going to move forward for God, that means we set aside eros love, which is physical love, and we set aside storge love, which is compassionate love. We set aside um, uh, phileo love, which is family love, and we focus on agape love, which is self-sacrificing, which is a choice, which, which is given no matter whether or not it gives, it's given back or not. That's the highest love. That's God's love. And that's what he expects to be in our lives. And Jesus is trying to bring Peter to that point. But I'm especially interested, the exchange aside, I'm especially interested in the first question that Jesus asked because it's a little bit different. He doesn't just ask me, Simon, do you love me? He says, Simon, do you love me more than these Now, here's the problem with that verse. It is unclear grammatically what he means. Now, I have a theory, but I can't preach it because I don't know it. But there's three possible ways we could read this. And I think probably when God sets his word up like that, where there's a multitude of possible applications, that maybe his intent is that we view them all. And so that's what we'd like to do this morning. When, when Jesus asked this question, do you love me more than these? What he's really asking is, is what he's asking all of us. How much do you love me? Peter, how much do you really love me? Father, would you help me? I do love you not as much as I should. I'm, I'm right there with Peter. I do love you, but it's not always with the fullness that it should be. And I confess that and ask you to forgive me. I'm asking you, Lord, to do something unusual in this place. You do not have much to work with in me, Lord. But your word is everything. And your word through the Holy Spirit can find good ground and do amazing things this morning. And I pray to that end and that Jesus would be lifted up. Of course, in his name we ask these things. Amen. Simon, do you love me more than these? What's he asking? Here's the first possibility. Simon, do you love me more than your pursuits? What? Could it be that when he says, do you love me more than these, he's pointing to the fish. Do you love me more than these. Now, what would he mean if he was pointing to the fish? He'd mean, do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than your vocation? Do you love me more than your comfort zone? Do you love me more than that which you grew up doing? Do you love me more than this which has become synonymous with your life? Even, even the Catholics, when they, when they install a pope, they, they, they give the pope a ring that has on it St. Peter the what? The fisherman. 
That was his pursuit for the majority of his life. That Up until he met Jesus, that was his pursuit. And Jesus could be asking him, Peter, do you love me more than you love these fish? Now, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. How many of us, whether we realize it or not, have placed Jesus in the back seat to our pursuits? And if we were honest, we'd have to say, Lord, there have been times that I don't love you enough to put my job on hold. I don't love you enough to put my favorite pastime on hold. I've let those things get ahead of you, and thus I don't love you more than these. Now, should we work hard at our job? Absolutely. But when we willfully and knowingly set Jesus to the side that we might increase our wealth, We've made a wrong turn. When we willfully set Jesus aside to enjoy what we enjoy doing, I gotta be so careful here because I don't want to hurt anybody. But y'all, y'all know, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. You know when other pastimes have become more important to you than God has. You know it. I'm, I'm all for going out on the lake. I'm all for camping. I'm all for traveling. I'm all for everything. But when we don't darken the door of a church all year because we're too busy traveling, I got news for you. We don't love Jesus more than these. Father, I'm struggling as to what to mention. I don't want to be a cowardly preacher. And I'm prepared to say whatever you want me to say. But Lord, I also don't want to cross a line that you're not there. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you speak to our hearts and show us what pursuit has gained more love than you? Would you do that, Lord? So that I don't have to try to do that and be that voice in people's hearts. Lord, I'm willing. You know I am. But Father, sometimes I've been less than wise in my preaching. And I need you to do the preaching today. I ask in Jesus' name. Let's take one for example, one that I know that, that will resonate. How about money? The pursuit of money. And it's easy to do. And we reason it, don't we? Well, I want to make sure I put my family in a good position. How good a position do you want to put them? And at what point does faith and letting the Lord take care of you kick in? You know? I want to put my family in a good position too, but at some point I've got to trust the Lord to meet the needs. Right? What Paul, what Paul tell Timothy? But they that will be rich in the... But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money. Not money, the love of money, the pursuit of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I don't personally believe that Peter and the other disciples were wrong in that they went fishing. I don't believe they were wrong. I don't believe Jesus is, is, is con- condemning them for that. But I do know that Jesus is going to make sure that Peter understands you are no longer somebody who angles for fish. You are now a fisher of men. 
And you've got to make sure that you love me more than you love these. Do you love me more than you love your pursuits? Next one's tougher. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than you love your people? Could it be that with the disciples sitting there around Peter, that Jesus is saying, not, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Could he be saying, Peter, do you love me more than you love these people? Jesus would never ask that. Oh, no. In fact, there's a passage in Scripture where he states exactly that. Exactly that. These guys are essentially family. These disciples are more family to him than his wife's been. He's been with them more than he has her. There's family. They've been traveling and they've been through so much together. And then Jesus perhaps is asking him, would you forsake them for me? Would you be willing to choose me over your people? And look what he says in Luke chapter 14. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. That's Jesus saying that. So don't tell me he wouldn't ask Peter, do you love me more than you love them? I have to wrestle with the question, do I love Jesus more than I love her? And by the way, I can't be the husband to her that I ought to be if I don't. Do I love Jesus more than I love my children? Well, how would you measure that? God forbid. If he took one of them, would I still love him? I hope you know this to be true. I hope you feel this. You're my people. And I have to love him more than I love you. That means I have to be willing to preach something that I know beforehand is going to hurt somebody if he tells me to. That means I have to be willing to to stand for what's right if nobody else does if he tells me to. I don't foresee it, but if he says it's time for you to go, you've made enough of a mess here. It's time for you to move on, son. I've got to love him enough. Because if I don't love him preeminently, I can't be a good pastor. He's got to be number one. See, what does he mean when he says, hate your father and your mother and your wife and your children? Well, I could walk up, I could walk up to somebody on the street and I could truthfully say, Sir, I want you to know I love you. I could say that 
You know why? Because I'm taught in the word that I'm to love people for Jesus' sake. And I can love people, for even people I don't know. I can love them for Jesus' sake. But if it comes down to choosing between them and, let's say, my wife, who am I going to choose? My wife. I might as well hate them because that's how far away from this equation they're going to be. What Jesus is saying here is not literally that we're to hate people for Jesus' sake, although we Baptists can get good at that. He's saying your love for me should be so much more that it's the span between love and hate to the next, to the next person. That's what he's saying. It's a tough question to have to answer, but we have to answer that. Do you love me more than you love your people? How much do you love Jesus? Do you love me more than you love your pursuits? Do you love me more than you love your people? Well, Andy, what would, what would be indicative that I didn't? If your people draw you away from him. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. We had a little situation here recently. Claire has gotten into horse riding. And I love it. And I'll tell you why I love it. Because I don't have to pay for the horses. I pay a fee and they take care of everything. The horses, the horses care, the tacking, everything. We just show up and leave her there. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, you'll end up buying her a horse. Not if I can help it. <laughs> Somebody's already said, you got plenty of room. I do not have plenty of room for a horse. Every so often they do something called drill. Drill is uh, where they get to show off individual accomplishments and what they've learned and they get to do group things and people come and watch and they clap and everything's great. And it's, I've been to one. It's, it's great. It's great. And this will be the first one that she's been in from start to finish and she's excited and she's been working on everything. And as it stands right now, and I don't know if it's going to change, but as it stands right now, drill is scheduled during missions conference. Certainly you're going to make an exception, Andy. No. Because I cannot begin to teach my daughter that anything's more important than him. Now, if folks do that, I'm not here, I'm not standing here to judge you. I'm not standing here to judge you, but I'm telling you this. I've got to make sure my kids know that nothing's more important than Jesus. And if we never have to sacrifice to make that point, then we really haven't made it, have we? And yet there's kids that have grown into adults that have nothing to do with the Lord because we've let everything get in between them and God. Every traveling team, every event, every recital, every and Jesus took a back seat to every one of them, and it shows. I love you. I don't want to hurt you. But it's true. It's true. And we let our kids 
We let our spouses, we let our family. It, it, it blows my mind how many, how many times preacher won't be at church, got family coming in. Then tell them they can come with you. Or tell them you'll be back at the house after church. That used to not be controversial. Good night, even if you're at their church, fine, but be in God's house. Do you love me more than you love your pursuits? Do you love me more than you love your people? Third question. Is loving me your passion? Is loving me your passion? It's possible that Jesus says, do you love me more than you love these fish? And he's saying, do you love me more than your pursuits? Do you love me more than you love your people? These that are around you, Peter. But he could also be saying, do you love me more than anybody else here loves me? Do you love me more than these do? And what he'd be asking there is, Peter, is loving me your passion? Well, Andy, I don't know if that should be a goal, that we should be striving to love Jesus more than any, anybody else does. I mean, that seems like an unfair question, but wait a minute. I don't know of anybody in here that doesn't love me to some level, to some degree, some more than others, but I love you. And admittedly, it's different degrees and in different ways, but I love all of you. Would it be reasonable to conclude that in this room, in these four walls, there's one person that loves me more than anybody else? Would that be reasonable to conclude? Do you think that she would be, she would be concerned if she found out somehow that somebody in here loved me more than she did? She should be. She should be. It's reasonable to conclude that she on purpose loves me more than anybody else. You know why? She's my bride. Is it reasonable to conclude that someone who is the bride of Christ should love him more than anyone else? Is it a worthwhile goal for me to try to love him more than anybody else does? To serve him more than anybody else does. To display him more than anybody else does. Not because I'm trying to get one over on them. No, but I love him and I want him to know it. And I want the world to know it. And I want it to be seen. And when I'm in a casket here one day, I want people to say, that guy loved Jesus more than anybody else I knew. That's a worthwhile goal. But is it my passion? Because oftentimes we look at everything else that's going on in our lives, everything else, and we say, okay, if I can fit loving Jesus into that, I will. Instead of that driving everything else. Brother Davies has a goal for Granite Christian Academy, and that goal is that it be academically and extracurricularly and spiritually Excellent, and that's wonderful, but the only way we get there is if every day he purposes more than anything else, we're going to love Jesus with all our heart. It's reasonable to expect that I'm striving 
to love Jesus more than anyone else. I'm part of his bride. And he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Peter, how much do you love me? I've just hung for six hours suffering hell. I laid in a tomb dead for three days, and I rose for you. Peter, it's fair of me to ask, how much do you love me? Andy, as much as for Peter, I hung between heaven and earth for six hours suffering your hell for you. I laid in a tomb dead for three days for you, and I rose again for you. Andy, how much do you love me? Put your name in there, because it's true for all of us. Do we love him more than our pursuits? Do we love him more than our people? Do we love him more than our passion? Or is it our passion to love him? That's the question we got to answer. How much do you really love Jesus?